You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Attention Star Command. Attention Star Command. This is Systematic Geekology. We are the Priest of the Geeks reporting to Star Command. We have a missing ranger. Buzz Lightyear of Star Command is missing from Disney Plus. And today we're going to be talking about the movie, why it's not on Disney Plus, and, uh, you know, several other things. In honor of the new Lightyear movie, we're going to be talking about the old TV show, Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. And movie. Yes. I am Joshua Knoll. I'm one of your co-hosts today, and recently I've been geeking out on a lot of stuff, especially Captain America. There's a lot of new Captain America comics. They have two ongoing ones that just started. A lot of fun with Sam Wilson and with Steve Rogers. Great stuff. TJ, what you been geeking out on lately? Man, I've uh, I've been geeking out on Guilty Gear Strive, uh, newest entry in the that? Guilty Gear fighting game series. Okay. Uh, my... You know, mental encyclopedia of frame data is just growing. It is truly disgusting when you have to play a fighting game with TJ and he's like, what? That move takes 3.5 frames. I know how to beat that. And you're just like, what are you even talking about? I just hit a a bunch, TJ. Yeah. Yeah. And Pikachu's jab comes out on frame two. Yeah, then I lose because TJ knows too much. But that's not what today's episode is about. Today's episode is Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. There was a new Lightyear movie that came out. A lot of people were upset that they didn't ask Tim Allen to be Buzz Lightyear. So instead, we decided to talk about when Buzz Lightyear was also not Tim Allen. (laughs) When he was played by Patrick Warburton, although he was Tim Allen in the movie. But in the show, Patrick Warburton played Buzz Lightyear, which fun fact means of all of Buzz Lightyear's screen time, he has been played the most by Patrick Warburton. Yeah, so we should all actually be upset that he wasn't invited to be Buzz Lightyear for the new movie. That's what we should be upset about. Yeah, Yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually enraged. Yeah, me too. Just big Patrick Warburton fan. (laughs) I am also, but I'm not actually enraged. I um yeah. So this show was actually it wasn't canceled because it didn't do well. It was on early two thousands, and it was canceled because it didn't get the toy sales and Toy Story, especially action toy stuff like this is all about the sales so pixar wants to act like it didn't happen so they can start over and hopefully sell better toys more toys with the new lightyear series good luck to pixar i still love buzz lightyear of star command tj what was your first interaction for me let's see when it came out i was eight so it just happened to be coming out when i was actively watching disney channel what was your first interaction with buzz lightyear of star command uh well I don't think it did come out when you were eight. I think you were a little bit older than that. Really? I thought it came out in 2000. You already eight? Yeah. Oh, well, I was like one anyway, either way. <laughs> um, but it, you know, it had reruns for a good few years. So yes. I would catch it on TV every once in a while. Uh, never even, I don't think I ever considered the fact that it was the Buzz Lightyear from, you know, Toy Story. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, I knew it was him, but that meant nothing to me. Yeah, the only reason you really knew that is because in the very beginning of all the episodes or the beginning of the movie, they show the toys playing the show. That's it. That's the that's the only real relation that you see. Yeah. 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 Well, it's good. This show is crazy. Um, it, it is what introduced me to most of the sci-fi tropes, gimmicks that you see as far as like 
clones, as far as, you know, traitors, uh, protocols of star travel, um, other planets, different aliens, um, even, even, you know, that, that trope where there's always like these aliens who are watching you and there's one good one, one bad one and one neutral one. Yeah. All, all of those tropes that are sci-fi ish. Uh, I think a lot of, for you, were probably introduced from the Clone Wars Star Wars show. Whereas for me, I was really introduced through this. That that was what was big when you were little, right? I think I think I was just born with those in my head. <laughs> you just you know knew those as you yeah. came from the womb. It's like, oh, that's a classic when I was like yeah. three. <laughs> you know, part of me wants to believe that. <laughs> so from what you do remember of the Buzz Lightyear Star Command, what is were your favorite and least favorite parts of this show? Uh, Not necessarily scenes, just you know, stuff. I love Zerg. Zerg is hilarious. That's true. Like it's easy to forget if you just or to not know if you've only seen Toy Story that Zerg is, you know, intimidating evil guy. He's just really he is that. Yeah. But he's also very funny. He's hilarious. It's good writing. I was watching an episode earlier today in preparation for this. And there's the uh, the guy that's watching and they're trying to like set up good versus evil just to watch people fight he's like yeah just live action fighting i just gotta lure them here lord buzz and zerg and when zerg defeats him and is like runs off he goes you give evil a bad name yeah. <laughs> it's just great well yeah this is that is the guy evil and he knows it <laughs> oh man i don't know um, i don't think i have a least favorite part <laughs> i really don't feel like i do either i mean sometimes I, I Mira got on my nerves a little bit every every now and then. For the most part, I liked her though. But there were times where I'm like, "Shut up, let Buzz do his thing." <laughs> yeah, you're. Yeah, that's Buzz Lightyear you're talking to. Yeah, show some respect. <laughs> I mean, and so for me, one of the best parts of the the show, the movies, all of this, they did really well with the characters. It was less that it was phenomenal story writing or anything like that, but the characters themselves and the character development throughout this. Lots of fun for me. So I thought it would be cool to just kind of break down. I have six different characters I wanted to talk about. Kind of get your take and just kind of see where we're at. First and foremost, we want to talk about Buzz Lightyear, the, the main guy. To me, I, I for some reason, I went into the show and maybe I just misremembered this, whatever. I was expecting him to be the arrogant, I don't need the rules, whatever kind of guy. He wasn't quite that. He loves procedures. He loves the rules. He's all about the rules. He's still arrogant. Yeah, he wrote most of them. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, procedures are awesome. He's all about it. And continues throughout the series to make the point that procedures will save the day. Procedures are why we're better than the bad guys. Um, but he does, ever since the beginning of the movie, he scared to lose another partner, whether from betrayal or death or whatever. That be kind of carries throughout where he's really genuinely worried that he's going to lose another partner and that he just can't take that. So you do see this emotional side of the buzz as well. How did you yeah. take buzz in this? Was he what you expected? Was he, what did you feel? About yeah. Him? I mean, he's the hero. Yes. That's accurate. Who, you know, that's what toy story presents him to us as. <laughs> and he's, you know, even in toy story, he's like, uh, that's not procedure. We, you know, we have to do it this way at first. Yeah. I guess some of the difference might be, and maybe this is why I expected that. I feel like in Toy Story, he was just arrogant and his ways didn't always work. Whereas in this, 
Buzz Lightyear tends to just win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is called Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. Yeah, it's not. So Buzz does tend to come out on top. Yeah. There's no falling with style in this show. There is simply he flies and saves the day. <laughs> yeah, because in the show, yeah. he it is actually a jetpack. Yeah, yes. And he's actually just awesome. All right, here's the other one. Um, the the flip side, the other side of the coin to Buzz Lightyear would then be Warp Dark Matter. I don't great, know how you didn't know he was evil. <laughs> great, stupid sci-fi name. Yeah, fantastic bad guy name. How how did you take Warp? What did you think of him? So, I think Warp is cool. Warp is cool. You know, he he's serves as Buzz Lightyear's foil. He's the exact opposite of Buzz in almost every way, but equally capable in most cases. Yeah. I feel like the big thing that differentiates isn't just warp is evil. Buzz is good. It's buzz loves procedures and wants to save people. That's like his motivation. Whereas warp's motivation is just how can I enjoy life the most? Mm -hmm. He is purely hedonistic. Like he's just happiness is what he's about. Doesn't care how he gets there. Good, bad, whatever. And what's, what's fun is throughout the show, even with Zerg, I feel like this show more than others show good guys and bad guys working together. Like, it's not like a one-off here and there where the good guy and bad guy has to team up. That happens a lot in the show. Like, it's kind of weird. Yeah. It's well, less you know. weird with Warp, because if it makes him happy, he's on your team. <laughs> yeah. And Warp, the thing is, if being a, you know, Space Ranger paid more, Warp would have never worked for Zerg. Yeah. So the real takeaway from this is pay good guys more. Mm-hmm. That's why the yeah. Space Force makes so much money. We're trying to avoid that. Yeah, we don't want another warp dark matter on our hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, Princess Mira Nova. I already said she gets on my nerves occasionally. She's not usually called Princess. She's just Mira in the show most of the time. She's a really confident, just came out of the Academy, kind of naive, really passionate about her work, and wants to show that she can be the best. And what if we just did it this way? And Buzz is always, calm down, there's a procedure to that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just she just kind of gets on my nerves sometimes, but she's good. I don't know. Yeah. What, what, how do you feel about her? Uh, Mira's the the rookie hotshot cop. Yeah, you know, paired with yeah, the necessary. old stoic veteran, yeah. classic buddy cop duo. Necessary thing here. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, here's another serious one. Buster. Booster? Buster was phenomenal. He is us in the show, right? The one Booster? who is geeking out. Is it Booster? Yeah, it's Booster. Okay. Booster. He's geeking out about how awesome Buzz is, how great it is to be near the account. He's just a janitor. He thinks this is the best thing ever. He's like, hey, be near Buzz. I get to be near the ships. I get to be near this. I'm going to see if I can get a peek at this. And he's just so excited to simply be there. And then he ends up getting pulled onto the team because he does the right thing. One too many times, basically. He ends up getting pulled onto Buzz Lightyear's ship, part of Lightyear's little... What, what do you call that? Lightyear's team. posse. Hey, they're Team right. Lightyear. Yeah. And it's just fun to see another geek who also, he's passionate about procedures. He knows everything because he's been geeking out about this his entire life. And he's just... He's excited. He's always excited. He's always having fun. In a way, I feel like he's the life of the team because he's just excited. Yeah. It also helps that uh, he's ridiculously strong. Yeah, he's like the Hulk of the Space Rangers. Accurate. Yeah. In in the movie, he just 
you know, he walks up to Zerg and grabs his gun off of his arm and just crushes it. <laughs> I love Booster. It, like, the thing is, it's always great when you have that, the really bulky, huge muscle character, and he's just a goofball. <laughs> yeah. That's just always a fun thing when they do that. That's that's ideal. That's peak yeah. character archetype. Yeah. If Hulk was just a lot goofier, Hulk would be great. Yeah, if he wasn't so angry all the time. Yeah, yeah. No, I feel like the, the muscle character has to be one of the two. Has to either be really angry or just a goofball. It gets weird if he's anything else. Yeah. The That's why Smart the Hulk one was exactly. so weird. Yes, it was pretty weird. I liked it, though. It was funny. It was funny because it broke the archetype. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is why they can't keep doing it, because then it'll become mm-hmm. the archetype. Then it's no longer funny. It's True. just weird. Yeah. Okay, XR. <laughs> could you please tell our listeners who don't know, who is XR? And could you kind of just explain his story? Because I think it's hilarious. So XR is a, a prototype space ranger. Uh, that Star Command built. Uh, and, you know, they built him to be the perfect space ranger. They save manpower because, you know, it's just robots dying. Uh, but then he gets, I forget how, I don't remember how, he gets blown to pieces, basically. Something happens. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the little green men put him back together. Yeah. Uh, you what know, what's funny the, is little aliens. They're the ones who originally built him. Because they have this like hive mind, yeah, that's and right. the hive mind was corrupted, so they, <laughs> they they weren't able to think properly when they rebuilt him. Yeah, sorry. And so they rebuild him as uh, <laughs> you know, just like a tiny, tiny robot. He's maybe up to where his knees used to be. Uh, he's just a. I don't even know what to call him. Narcissistic <laughs> little robot. He just he's just not right. He's just <laughs> like, not. He right. doesn't. Yeah, they, they didn't put him together right, so he doesn't seem to understand how to operate or how things work in general. Yeah, so he spends uh, yeah. most of his time just kind of chilling, <laughs> talking about how, you know, if he were getting more attention right now, things would be better. Yeah, him and Booster together are hilarious. Funny team. Yeah. I like, um, there, there's, there's, some, there's a lot of these scenes where he's, seemingly about to do something and then just doesn't mm-hmm. like one I was watching earlier, he walked into one of the space bars or whatever and pulls. All right, everybody listen here. Wait a minute. What, what was I going to say? <laughs> just has no idea because he just isn't built right anymore. Doesn't know what yeah. he's doing. He's like, he's kind of like uh, Batman's utility belt, but for a team light year. Yeah. He's yeah, a utility need belt. something. He is that and also comic relief because, but he's not comic in like he's trying to make jokes. He's comic in the, he doesn't function properly. He's a robot that isn't being very robot-y. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course, another character I have to mention, I'm, I'm obligated by my own favorite geekdoms, 42. Yeah, 42 is a character in the show. <laughs> it is Buzz Lightyear's spaceship is 42. And at some point, the ship comes to life, ends up becoming its own little droid. And it's just this really powerful, independent kind of woman who just thinks all computers are superior to humans. And you know, y'all just need to stop questioning computers. I know what I'm doing because <laughs> I'm 42. And uh, if you don't know, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, there's the running joke that the answer to life, the universe and everything is just 42. So that's kind of where they pulled the joke from. And then they made this character out of it. 
and Doctor Who actually kind of I don't I don't think if it was an intentional steal, but I saw this way before I saw Doctor Who and way before this episode of Doctor Who came out. But there is an episode where the TARDIS comes to life and becomes human and kind of acts a little quirky. And it's like for me, for a lot of people, that was really unique and interesting. And I was like, I, I've seen this before. Some Buzz Lightyear or Stark man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it, really, that's just a sci-fi trope at this point is ship ai yeah it's a little sarcastic it has to be i i love the ai in hitchhiker's guide guide to the galaxy speaking of which because you know they try to give them all personalities so you get those ships that like the personality didn't kind of work right (laughs) like they programmed the personality wrong there's like one ship that's just always depressed one that's like happy about everything and it's it's funny yeah i mean if we're going to talk about our favorite ship ais uh, everyone has to go read to sleep in a sea of stars by uh, Christopher Paolini. I've never heard of that. The dude who wrote The Inheritance Cycle, the Aragon books. Uh, he just has a really good in-universe system for it. They're called ship mines. They're all unique. And they like live in the black box. Like when a ship gets destroyed, you cover the black box, you save NAI's life. Oh. Pretty cool stuff. That's I won't go more in depth because we're talking about Buzz Lightyear. But. Yeah. Speaking of Buzz Lightyear, and we, we already mentioned some of the tropes. It has tons that this is just showing. For me, I, I feel like this show does a really good job of showing kids what sci-fi is like. It's making sci-fi palatable to, to children, basically. Do you think it's helpful to introduce kids to sci-fi at a younger age like this through this kind of media? Or No, uh, I think it's helpful uh, not only for you know the children's programming. It's engaging, flashing lights. You know, Kids love flashing lights. Uh, But it also kind of jogs the scientific mind as a child for, you know, some children. Some kids just Mm -hmm. aren't going to like it. But uh, I remember when I was a kid watching, you know, sci-fi cartoons thinking like, oh, okay, how would that work in real life? I just sit there and think about it for a while before deciding on my own. that No, that's not possible. (laughs) I I don't think light works that way. Yeah. It's... It's interesting. I feel like sci-fi in general does a good job at doing this, of showing us the most absurd versions of arguments so that we can build realistic arguments from there, which is different from – there's a logical fallacy called the argument from absurdity where you just say, well, not that because this really absurd thing that would never happen, which is annoying. I hate when people do that. Like like it's – um. We can't give these people rights because if you do, then all of a sudden watermelons are going to fall from the sky or something. And you're like, what? It's just a non sequitur almost. But there's another side of that where you start with the absurd thing of, okay, well, what if you found out that there's a universe where everyone was born this way or everyone has this and this was the result? What would you do with it? And that's what sci-fi does is it makes you think of these what ifs and to work with a different premise than you would regularly. I think it's helpful to have kids thinking like that early on so that they can learn proper thought processes without – just attaching it to the real world. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's all started with the movie. You mentioned it already. The uh, Buzz Lightyear Star Command movie. You can find it on YouTube, actually, as well as some of the episodes of the show. It's not on Disney+. Plus. But in the movie, there is a group mind. All the little green men share one big mind. It starts off good. Zerg corrupts it. turns evil. And that got me thinking, and I kind of just wanted your take on this. 
how is a group mind helpful and how can it be harmful? Like we see it in real life all the time where everybody kind of thinks the same thing because one person thought it and we all, well, I agree with him about this. So I agree with him about this other thing. A lot of times it's harmful because people don't think through their own standards, but sometimes I feel like it can be helpful. So I kind of just wanted your take. When is group mind helpful and when is it harmful? Well, I mean, group mind is kind of, uh, it's not really a human trait. We really yeah. can't do that. Uh, but you know who can? Ants. Interesting. Go on. <laughs> Lots of insects have a hive mind. They're all working towards mm. one goal, and that makes that goal extremely easy to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. I um. So here's just my thoughts, face value. First off, I think everything in nature reveals the truth about deeper things. Uh, yeah, there's this, uh, I think Augustine's the one who said it. There's the two books rule, right? God gave us the Bible, then he gave us nature, and we can learn about the divine from both. And when you think about the fact that hive minds do exist, I, I think what you're talking about, like with the ants, I think it reflects how the church should work in a lot of ways. We should be of one mind in Christ. We should be thinking, here's how Christ wants us to address the world. Here's how we can help the needy, help the hungry, help the poor, that kind of thing, and be working together in that way. The flip mm -hmm. side of that, where I think where I think group mind can be harmful, a lot of times, well, we're all Christians and you're a Republican, so I must be a Republican. Republicans say something, well, we're already Republicans, so we must agree with that. And it kind of builds and builds and builds. And that's just an example. It's not condemning Republicans or anything like that. It's just I think group mind can have you blindsided to when bad thoughts kind of enter into the group. So yeah, I guess my I, question is, it's tunnel vision, you know? Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm yeah. trying to describe, tunnel vision. <laughs> so I guess my question to you, TJ, and to, to maybe our listeners too, maybe just leave this open. How do we know when we're working together for a single cause and having one mind in Christ compared to when we're tunnel visioned and not able to see stuff around us because we're only seeing our own group? No, I, I think when we are neglecting the needs of our communities that's a pretty good sign that you're too focused on something else yes mm. yeah yeah i like that and then one other theme i wanted to pull from this show and the movie and all that is we've already mentioned earlier buzz lightyear loves procedures in a lot of the show one of the common beats is if we play by the procedures if we play by the rules good will prevail. Is that true? <laughs> is this as simple as just, you know, play by the rules and we're all good? Is there According never a to time the Bible, to break the rule? Yes. Okay, but, but... If you follow the biblical rules, yes. But what about that one time where Rahab lied, breaking one of the Bible's commandments, and God said, good job, my son's going to come from your lineage. Isn't that yeah. one of those where, like, procedures didn't work, or he didn't want her to follow the procedure? Yeah, but, you know, that was kind of divine-led. And you can take the risk, you know, you can go break some commandments and see if God's going to show up and say, hey, way to go, I wanted you to do that. But, but I'm not going to do that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't know, I, I feel like I'm not one of the letter of the law kind of people. Like, I don't think you need to obey every single thing that the Bible says as far as rules go. I don't think that's what the Bible's trying to get at. I believe the Bible is trying to get at the heart of the matter. 
and I think there's two two levels to this, right? I think when you're starting off, it's almost like the rules are training wheels. It's really easy to just understand, here are the procedures, do the procedures. But I feel like as you grow and you kind of learn the heart of God, you learn even stuff outside of the rules. I mean, not necessarily breaking the rules, but maybe you learn, you know, there's no law of the Bible that says do not, you know, buy a cheeseburger at McDonald's. <laughs> or I don't, I don't know. Support a company that you don't that's, want to support. Uh, there's no rule. That's that actually says, in that's in Burger King's two five sixteen actually. <laughs> yeah, um, there's nothing that says you have to feed five hungry people each week, or you know, like there, there's some things that you will learn with your heart and kind of learn through discernment as you gain a relationship with God, and that's a little bit bigger than just the procedures. But I don't know. The procedure is a good place to start. Is that sort of what? Just a good rule of thumb. Yeah. Oh yeah, start with the procedures, learn relationship, grow more. Uh, where where is the line though of following procedures and falling into legalism, where it's just about the rules for you? That's a great question. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. For those who don't know, um, legalism is just a term. I feel like. Per- inner Christian circles throughout a lot. It's it's basically where you're treating salvation, you're treating Christianity as if it's just, I do these rules and I'm saved. And it's not that it, it's primarily about the relationship, but maybe the procedures help you understand your relationship better. I don't know where that line is. There is a, um, and th- this is actually, we've talked about this on our other podcast, the ultra podcast. It's something that Protestants and Catholics, part of the big divide is, Catholics say that when you sin, you are given grace as you commit acts to show penance or as you commit acts that show love or as you commit acts to do whatever. Only by grace and only through faith are you saved, but you're doing it as you're doing these actions. Or as Protestants typically will say, you're immediately saved by grace and faith. And because of that, you will do these actions. Like the actions are afterwards, not during the salvation part. When does it happen? I don't think actually matters that much. I think the point is that you are saved only by grace, only through faith. And that if you are saved, you will do good actions at some point, whether it's during salvation or after really could care less. Mm-hmm. The procedures will come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, can you, you think know, of any we've, time where we've already established that God does not experience time in the way we do. So that is a huge topic, maybe for another day, <laughs> but I wonder, is there a time that you can think of where procedures weren't good to follow? Uh, most days, uh, somebody survives a car wreck that they would have died in if they had their seatbelt on. Mm. Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah. I do not condone seatbeltless driving. But. Ooh. Yeah. Sometimes it helps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here, here's another Bible example, because yeah, that's my go-to for whatever reason. My brain's just filled with Bible. I guess that's a good thing. Yeah, imagine why. Um, <laughs> Jesus in the temple, showing someone shows him a coin and says, should I pay taxes or whatever? And he says, whose face is on that coin? There's a much deeper meaning to that than what a lot of people teach from the pulpits. There are two different currencies there, Right. There is the Roman currency, and then there is the Hebrew currency. What you were supposed to do is turn in your Roman currency for Hebrew currency to make the trades and to tithe to the temple and all of that. 
So when they showed him a currency that was the Roman currency, he was saying that's the wrong procedure. Not here. You don't tithe with that money. That is the government's money. That is should be separate from this. Um, it's much more nuanced than that. There's a lot more to it than that. But it was interesting that what Jesus was more or less saying is not that procedure, this procedure. And kind of differentiating between one rule set and another. Kind of showing some separation there. And there's examples all throughout the Bible where God was like, hey, do it this way. Don't don't actually do it that way anymore. Even though in previous times God told him to do it one way, he's turned it around. In Leviticus, he tells them when you do a smoke offering, only do it one way. A couple of books later, he says, actually, when you do that smoke offering, whatever you do, just don't do it that way I told you originally. I have no idea why God changed. But procedures do seem to change, and a lot of that is just going to be knowing the heart of God and walking with God in relationship. TJ, do you have anything to add to procedures, and when is it good or bad to follow procedures? Well, it's uh, just a case-by-case basis. Yeah. It's probably going to be led by prayer. Yeah. General rule of thumb, prayer, relationship. There's a part of the Bible that says, you know my voice because you've listened to it before kind of deal. And it's more or less, if you read the Bible and you know the Bible intimately and well, you'll kind of know when it's God's voice leading you to do something and when it's not. So, hey, maybe just start with knowing the Bible. Know the procedures. It's actually something, um, this is really weird, Paul. Stephen King talks about this when he talks about writing. He says, you have to know the procedures, know how to write, because good writing only happens when you break those rules in the right way. And you can't do that till you know what the rules are. That's true. So, yeah, start by knowing the Bible. Yeah. All right. So, are you good to wrap up then, TJ? I think so. Sick. All right. Well, we're going to start our wrap up with some recommendations. All right. Uh, for our gamers out there, uh, I know the fighting game community is a little small, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you haven't gotten Guilty Gear Strive, you should. It's worth it. It's a great game, well fleshed out, a lot of unique mechanics if you're new to the Guilty Gear series, and it's just the most polished and simplest Guilty Gear game so far. Yeah. My recommendation is going to be Captain America Sentinel of Liberty. The first issue that released last month was just phenomenal art and everything, and it does a really good job of showing you what Steve Rogers' regular life is, kind of humanizing him a little bit. And then showing the exciting part of how he just kind of longs to be Captain America, which is who he is. But really fun character dive as far as that goes. And I'm excited for the rest of the series as it releases. That being said, guys, we are really excited to have you guys continue to listen. By going to systematicgeekology.org, hitting host, you can see TJ and my name there and everything that we do. All the other podcasts we're a part of, whole church podcast, all of that. So you can follow us there. You want us to know about what you're geeking out on so we can check it out. You can go to the same website. There's a tab for that as well. And we, we would love if you guys would just all do us the favor of remembering this. Just remember, we're all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.